Hi, I'm Steve Rizika with the Rizika Ranch in Lomita, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've seen a vast improvement in drought conditions across Texas, but that doesn't mean the drought has gone everywhere. In fact, there are some parts of the state still suffering drastically because of severe drought. We'll check in with one of those parts of the state up in the Northeast Panhandle coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The deadline is fast approaching for public comment on USDA's proposed new regulations for animal disease traceability. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you the thoughts of one of the nation's leading veterinarians. Current and emerging export markets for U.S. grains. I'm Tom Nicolotti, and I'll have a report on the top five trading partners for American grains on Texas Ag Today. Now that Easter has passed, it's planting time in Texas, especially for home gardens. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about home gardening in Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The drought isn't nearly as bad statewide as it was six months ago, but there are some spots still dealing with exceptional drought. One of those places is the northern Texas panhandle. Scott Strawn is the county agent in Ockletree County on the Oklahoma border. Well, like I said, it's terrible, and of course, we started in the hole back in the fall with our wheat, during wheat planting, and it's just stayed, and as I've said before, March is always a make-or-break month for us. For kind of dry, the rain needs to start then. Well, it didn't happen. Yes, we had a little bit, which was great, but it was just kind of a teaser was all, and when I drive around and look at this dry land wheat, I'm going to already write most of it off. I would say the majority of it's not going to make harvest, uh, even if we had perfect weather conditions from here on out, it's just not going to recover. Strawn says irrigated wheat may make it, but pastures are looking rough heading into the summer. When I look at the range in pastures, that's a real desperate situation too. Even with a little bit of light rain in some of our areas of rangeland, I just think that's not enough. And in fact, it could be a problem because it'll be tempting to stay on some of this grass that a little light shower will green it up, but a lot of this ranch land needs to be rested because it was grazed so heavily last year, and it'll be tempting to stay on that with a little green up, and that could cause problems down the line. Strawn says farmers in his county have some tough decisions to make as spring planting gets closer. Justin Crownover is with Lone Star Family Farms in that same area of the state. 
He's optimistic that things are getting better. Just trying to get ready for growing crops this summer, trying to keep wheat wet, trying to get a profile built for corn and cotton. Obviously, those are very challenging. We're very fortunate that the energy markets have dropped. Natural gas has come off. Fertilizer prices have dropped to 40%. There's just a lot of opportunity out there. And so I look forward to this year, and I just thoroughly believe with the drought breaking in California and Arizona, we're next, man. It's coming. It's going to rain. National Sorghum Producers in Lubbock is now accepting entries for the 2023 National Sorghum Yield Contest. State and national winners are selected from contestants split into east and west regions for each division, which includes irrigated, dry land no-till, dry land tillage, and one overall winner for food grade. To find the entry form, rules, and more information, visit sorghumgrowers.com. The deadline is fast approaching for public comment on USDA's proposed new regulations for animal disease traceability. James Hunt checks in with one of the nation's leading veterinarians on the traceability issue. There has not been an outbreak of foot and mouth disease in our country in almost a century, but many are concerned that if another outbreak does occur, we are not sufficiently prepared to contain its spread. Without a more efficient system of disease traceability, this type of event would be economically catastrophic to producers up and down the production chain, limiting and closing market access, both domestically and internationally. You know, if we're relying on our current system of monitoring and traceability, it it only increases our vulnerability going forward. That's Dr. Tom Portillo of Amarillo. He's a feedlot consulting veterinarian and the current chairman of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Cattle Health and Wellbeing Committee. Dr. Portillo says a better system for tracking cattle is needed. You know, the misconception is we don't have a system of disease traceability. We do. It's based on visual tags. Everybody's familiar with bangs vaccinating and the bright tags and, and things of that nature. It's all visually based. Of course, USDA has proposed new regulations that are currently up for public comment, which would require official ear tags be both visually and electronically readable for interstate movement of certain cattle. Dr. Portillo is pleased by the direction USDA is taking. Again, it goes back to getting us into the 21st century. Our system of traceability is extremely antiquated. It is not adequate for what we need given the current state of movements and shipments, um, imports, exports, those types of things. We need a system where we can rapidly trace any event if we need to, and we just don't have that right now. The deadline for commenting on USDA's proposed new traceability regulations is Wednesday. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. New markets are emerging for U.S. grains. Tom Nicoletti has more from the U.S. Grains Council. My guest today is Kerry Sifereth. He is vice president with the U.S. Grains Council. He's based in Washington, but uh, caught up with him recently to talk about uh, trade uh, with international partners of uh, U.S. corn sorghum, barley, ethanol, and uh, distillers dried uh, grains with uh, solubles. And uh, Kerry, uh, let's start with the the top five trading partners uh, of the U.S. for these uh, particular grains. We have what we call grains at all forms where we track. So we track, you know, corn, barley, sorghum exports, but then even the feed grain equivalent of ethanol exports, of DDGS exports. And we even include the feed grain equivalent of beef, pork, and, and chicken exports, poultry exports. And so when we combine all those together, Mexico is our largest grains in all form export market, China being number two, actually Canada 
comes in at number three, followed by Japan and South Korea. If we start to break down into more specific, you know, if we want to look at uh, at the sorghum market, uh, you know, China is by far our biggest market export for that, uh, followed by Mexico. Uh, or if we're looking at just corn specific, then we've got, again, Mexico, China, uh, and then we, we throw Japan, uh, Canada, and, uh, and Colombia into that, that mix. So, Kerry, let's talk about emerging markets for U.S. grains. Uh, where is the council looking at uh, uh, for the future? Uh, well, we're very excited. We just recently opened up a new office in New Delhi, India, to cover that South Asia region. Uh, and obviously, India, uh, being the world's second largest population, uh, expected to soon take over China as the lar world's largest population. That is Kerry Sifreth. He's vice president of the U.S. Grains Council. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Now that Easter has passed, it's time to plant home gardens in Texas. Horticulturalist John Begno has more from San Angelo. Well, we've got Easter now. It's passed, and uh, Good Friday is typically one of the best planting times, according to most farmers and gardeners, for vegetable gardening in Texas. And one of the reasons is, and you know that Easter fluctuates every year, that sometimes it can be a little bit early, sometimes it can be late, but the whole bottom line is you want to try to plant your spring garden just as early as you can for several reasons. Garden plants like tomatoes, peppers, things like that, don't thrive in temperatures above 90 degrees. They may live and survive, but as far as producing really good vegetables or even in some cases blooming at all, at 90 plus degrees, a lot of plants shut down. That's why we like to get a good early start on vegetable gardening. So. Right now, transplants, tomatoes, bell peppers, eggplants, all of those things are in the, in the mix as far as seeding, seeding squashes and beans and peas. Now is a great time. And it's really not about Easter. It's more about soil temperature because if it's too cool, the seeds won't germinate, roots won't grow. It's also about air temperature, but more especially, it's about the prognosis of future temperatures. Is it going to have a late spring freeze? And for the most part, if you look at the data now, we're probably past that in nearly all areas of the state of Texas. So it's a good time to get our vegetable plants in the ground. Remember this plant, what you think you can take care of, that you can harvest, that you can process if you're going to process it, and that you can eat and give away and don't get carried away. One of the things we can do is what's called stagger planting. If you realize one squash plant might have 70 pounds of squash, you don't need a whole long row of squash unless you're producing food for a community food bank or for something like that. And so you plant a few plants and our seeds and they turn into producing plants. And two or three weeks later, you plant a few more because young plants are much more productive as a general rule than plants that are older and just trying to hang on. So just remember those few tips, keep the weeds under control, water as needed, but make sure they have adequate amount of water so that you have good quality vegetables. Reporting from San Angelo for Texas Ag Today, this is John Begno. Registering early for the Texas Dove Hunters Association's Banded Bird Challenge could win you a new shotgun and competition chokes. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And some mares can be difficult to train during a certain time of the reproductive cycle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
As we celebrate Earth Day 2023, we know that sustainability in agriculture requires our entire value chain to invest in our planet, this year's Earth Day theme. That's why we collaborate on best practices to protect crops, reduce inputs, conserve and regenerate land, and help keep fresh water clean, all while striving to reduce the climate impact of our own operations. This message is from Syngenta, investing in agricultural innovation that helps protect our planet today and tomorrow. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Some mares can be difficult to train at a certain time of the reproductive cycle. Dr. Bob Judd has more. Many clients contact their veterinarians searching for answers to control behavior in these mares. Many of these mares exhibit undesirable behavior, which Dr. J.R. Crabtree from England indicates includes a change in attitude, hyperexcitability, unwillingness to respond to a rider, bucking, squealing, aggression, and even colic. The mare's heat cycle is controlled by daylight and is synchronized to the spring. There are four stages of the cycle, including winter and estrus when the mare does not show heat, the transition period in late winter and early spring, cyclic activity in the spring and summer, and the autumn transition back to winter. Also, there are two phases of the mare's cycle, and the actual heat stage is called the follicular stage and lasts about six days, and the luteal phase, or the non-heat phase, which lasts about 14 days. There are lots of options available to keep mares out of heat. So my next program will also cover this subject, but the most common method is by giving them oral progesterone every day, and this is effective, although long-term use could allow a uterine infection to develop. That could go unnoticed. There are some long-lasting progesterone injections that are effective, but are not approved by the Food and Drug Administration or the FDA, as these products are compounded by a pharmacy. Some folks have used cattle hormone implants in mares, but these are seldom effective and should not be used in mares. The hormone oxytocin has been used to prolong the luteal phase of the cycle, and daily oxytocin injections are effective, but you must know the timing of the cycle. A slow-release oxytocin is also available, but is not FDA-approved. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Registering early for the Texas Banded Bird Challenge can win you some great prizes. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. Early bird registration is now underway for the 2023 Banded Bird Challenge hosted by the Texas Dove Hunters Association. Bobby Thornton, co-founder of the association, joins us with more. The Banded Bird Challenge is a research program we have on the Eurasian Collared Dove. This is this bird that has made its way across the United States, but a lot of them seem to find home in Texas now, and so we're conducting what we call a field study. Not necessarily what are their migratory instincts, but more so what are they doing in the field? What causes them to move? Why are they moving? And what direction are they headed? In order to do so, we trap and band 800 birds a year. This would be our seventh year based on the harvest data that is given to us when somebody either shoots one of these birds or finds one of these birds with a band on it, they call in the number on the band and we look at where it was trapped, banded and released and where it was harvested, days in the field, miles it's traveled, directional travel, all this data that goes into a database to help us learn more about these birds. Although hunters have until August 31st to enter the challenge, Thornton says there is an advantage to registering early. Between April 1st and July 15th, 
you will be entered into a contest for an early bird drawing where we'll be giving away a international gold shotgun from the Mossberg Reserve Series to 12 gauge over and under. The winner will also receive a full set of competition Muller chokes. You can enter at texasdovehunters.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Another trading day Monday meant new records in cattle prices. We'll look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Records continue to be set in the cattle market. In Monday's trade, live cattle futures hit another record level on that nearby April contract. It was up another dollar even to close at 175.75. June live cattle up a dollar 15, 164.87. The August up a dollar 7 at 163.77. Feeder cattle taking a big jump Monday. April feeders up 215, 205.55. The May up 285 at 210.75 with August up a dollar 40, 225.35. Record cash prices last week. Here in the South, we had a big range. We sold cattle from 170 to 180 on a live basis. Most of those cattle coming at 175. That's five bucks higher than the previous week and a record high for cash cattle here in Texas. Up north, dress cattle sold from 283 to 290. Mostly at that 290 level, that's 11 bucks higher than the previous week's average. Boxed beef prices higher on Monday. Choice up 298 at 305.60. Select up 554, 289.41. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest today, Lockhart Livestock Auctions, Maddie Bexley. Madison, how are you? Pretty good, Larry. How are you, sir? I'm fine. How was the Thursday sale? We had a good run. We ended up with 885 with 203 cows and 28 bulls, 169 sellers and 84 buyers. Walk the pins with us. Uh, yeah, we had a good many docker cows this week, and uh, the market was higher with a lot of activity. The front of the pairs brought from 16 to 2200. The mediocre and middle-aged pairs from 975 to 1550. The good bred cows from 12 to 1575. The mediocre middle-aged is shortbred cows from 850 to 1175. Uh, the planter end of the cows from 610 to eight and a quarter. Uh, packer cows would have been a couple of dollars better and bulls about steady with a week ago. The good high-yielding cows from 95 to a dollar seven. The medium-yielding cows from 84 to 94. The low-yielding and lightweight cows from 65 to 83. The good high-yielding bulls from a dollar 15 to a dollar 23. The low, medium-yielding and lightweight bulls from 90 to a dollar 14. And on the cows and yearlings, uh, they continue to gain a little ground every week. The market was uh, better with a lot of demand. And uh, we had a few more cattle than we expected with the wonderful rains around. So all in all, it was a 
Have a good day. We'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week's sale. Yeah, Larry, you can always check us out on Facebook or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. Madison, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. And neighbor, thank you too for coming down the lane and enjoying walking the pens with us. I'm Larry Marble. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and this program you're listening to, Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished higher in Monday's trade. April hogs up 12 cents, 71.87. May hogs up 55 at $81 even. Class three milk was mixed. The nearby April unchanged, 1862 100 weight. May milk down 14 cents at 1755 100. The cotton market closed slightly higher, mainly technical factors supporting the markets. Movements on the charts causing the May contract to gain 44 points. It closed at 83.30. July cotton up 35, 83.28. The December up 8 at 82.88 cents. Corn and wheat both getting support from the weather. Cold weather in the Midwest. In fact, snow falling and another winter storm over the weekend in Iowa, Minnesota, and Michigan, also catching parts of northern Illinois and northern Indiana. That is definitely shutting down planting in the Corn Belt in those areas. May corn responding by jumping ten and a quarter to close at six seventy-six and a half. July corn up six and three quarters, six seventy-two and a half, with September corn up six and three quarters, five seventy-four and a half. Freezing temperatures in the high plains, boosting wheat prices. Temperatures that cold reaching as far south as Oklahoma. July, Kansas City wheat up 13 and a quarter, 876 and a half. July, Chicago wheat up 14 and three quarters, 707 and a quarter. In the energy markets, May natural gas up 17 cents, 228. May West Texas crude down $1.50, 8102 a barrel. The financial markets higher Monday afternoon. The Dow up 100 points, 33,987. The Nasdaq up 34 at 12,157. The S&P up 13, 4,151. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.